Welcome back to the Devin Kershaw Show. I'm Nat Hers from FasterSkier.com. This is it. We are launching the winter 2024 season of the show, and Devin and I are psyched to be here again. It's going to be a big winter. Things kick off next week with the World Cup opener in Finland, and then we're going to see for the first time in many years some racing in North America. We've got recaps of season opening races in Scandinavia and plenty of other stuff on this episode, including a discussion of our futures as underwear models, if you want to fast forward through that. Stick with us. We'll be back after this message. Lighter, better, faster. The new Speedmax Helium Ski from Fisher is the ultimate in race ski technology. The Speedmax Helium Skate Plus features a bi-directional air core and a redesigned World Cup tip, helping this revolutionary ski weigh in at less than 950 grams. Paired with the new Speedmax boot, Fisher's Speedmax Helium skis keep you staying stronger during your next long ski and can help you drop time during your next big race. Learn more about the new Speedmax Helium system at fishersports.com. Remember, skiing isn't a lifestyle, it's life. What's up? We're doing it. A new season. I'm tired. I'm jet-lagged ass. Yeah, give us a give us a rundown on your travel itinerary from the past 24 hours. Well, um, I was back in Canada for the week. Well, not not a full week, but a, but a short week. It was the only week this whole semester that didn't have obligatory courses at school. So I decided to just uh, take the opportunity to head back. I was the bane of everybody that was involved in the event I came back to Canada for, really dragging my heels and um, slow to get back to them. So I have to take a quick moment and say that Jane Chisholm, who is in charge of the Canadian Ski Hall of Fame, I'm so sorry, and Tony Shire, who is a legend in the Canadian ski community that had to put up with my emails back and forth and tardiness and replies also sorry but we pulled it together and I was back in Montreal for the week I actually was in Quebec City for a couple days hanging out with Alex Harvey the late great Alex Harvey he's not late but uh he is great no no that's fake news Alex Harvey is thriving um so got to meet his daughter uh for the first time because COVID you know COVID is the gift that keeps on giving that I'm sure we'll get into a little bit so I, it just hadn't worked out that I that I'd seen him. He has a new house there in Mont Saint Anne, so that was great too. And uh, all this wouldn't have been possible without a faster skier booster himself and herself, but um, Marty and Kathy Hall. So thank you so much for a wonderful opportunity. I I feel really bad. I have imposter syndrome all the time, but I I I feel really bad that um, I don't know. It's hard. It's hard to accept help or like accolades when you're done and washed up I don't know I just I don't feel like I was ever a skier so I really appreciate Marty and Kathy for making it happen for me to get back for the event and the event was was amazing so that that's uh that's the 30 second drill Montreal is still kind of ghetto but that's that's okay it's fine but infrastructure is bad you just took the uh direct Montreal uh little hammer flight back uh back home of course I just took the PJ like hopped yeah. in the hopped in the PJ, uh, so I really appreciated that. I mean, it only cost what 
$75,000 and uh, all the carbon emissions. No, I, um, I flew Montreal, Brussels, and then Brussels to Oslo. And I'm here in Oslo actually right now. uh, I'm back in the hospital tomorrow, bright eyed and bushy tailed at 7am buddy. Yeah. Gotta get, gotta get back uh, to the med student grind just for, for, I mean, new season, how many more years till like you're an actual doctor and don't have time for this anymore? All the years, all the years, baby. I'm halfway. So I'm in my third year of medical school oh, wow. and, here in Europe, and here in Europe, medical school is six years. So she's a long grind. There's no, yeah. there's no other way to put it, but it's, it's going well. well the, the school stuff is going great. And it's, um, I mean, the people, no offense to Norway, but man, there's a, the Norwegian population can feel really safe that, that the Norwegian students really love medicine and they take it seriously. And that's all they talk about. But if you're going to have, you're going to want to have like a well-rounded conversation with the medicine medical student cohort. It's going to be tough. It's going to, it's going to be tough. We're pretty, uh, yeah, people are pretty into, into the medicine deal. That's okay. Yeah. Well, that's, that's why you have an outlet, uh, like this one after a transatlantic trip, you get to get home instead of going to sleep. We get to talk about cross-country skiing. So I don't know, let's, should we just, you know, get into it here or yeah, let's get in let's get into it I thought, I thought instead of doing our normal this is going to be kind of an old schooler which is kind of nice because i feel like every single day luckily they're doing all these podcasts in norwegian with like fancy mics and producers and big budgets but hong trister holen just launched the podcast with um stead Hun, the coach for the Dolly squad and he's been the national team head coach for Britain in along for the last five, six years, but it was also Holland's coach in, in his club coach and kind of helped him uh, get back to the level. Holland who just retired this in the off season now. So it's his first season off. So they're, they have a podcast, but it's in Norwegian and uh, Petter Nortug has a podcast with your boy Gothos. Uh, oh, the, the, the yeah. folklorist uh, yes. uh, star of the New York, the, the Nat Hurst New York Times article, I guess. Absolutely. Yes. So they have a podcast also in Norwegian though. And then Ostein, is uh as I, I he didn't take kindly when i called him the tony robbins of norway but he is totally the tony robbins of norway he's just got to own it if you're jumping out on stage and like flinging your arms around and inspiring a bunch of people with uh with that just like kind of like massaging people with that self-help butter that only tony robbins can do then then you gotta you gotta own the label and yeah but oyster has a great podcast but well, all these are norwegian and no one speaks norwegian so i, I mean i was gonna say actually it's a good thing that we are continuing to do this podcast in the language of the people from the countries in which no one cares about cross-country skiing. So exactly. you don't have any competition. However, that being said, I actually, I mean, there have been several English language podcasts that have launched, I would say in the past year, I know like Elena Sonneson, uh, yeah, skier, she's got one, uh, Nordic uh, Insights has one. And then I just saw that uh, James Cogney uh, from Great Britain and uh, Mika Vermeulen from Austria, who lives, I think, does he live in Lillehammer? Or, they live in Lillehammer, yeah. James yeah, so they just, Lillehammer, yeah. they just launched one too. I feel like, you know what, there's, there's room for, there's room for everyone here. Oh, for sure. Everyone can have 15 listeners baby it's great you know there's plenty of people that like skiing and we're the og um not that it's competition because in the production quality obviously we're losing but uh in entertainment value and profanity i feel like we are holding our own 
and Monday morning quarterbacking. And that's why we're here. That's why we're here right now. And this is just an old school one. We don't have any guests. Nat and I have talked about it and we got a lot of great feedback from the two wonderful interviews that Nat did last time and put out. The Claybo interview got a lot of buzz. Uh, and I know I'm just singing your praises. I know I did that in the last podcast, but what a great interview that was. And then, and then Kevin and Maya to do, um, to do that interview too, got a lot of positive feedback. So are we going to totally get away from like the three person cluster F? Absolutely not. We're going to totally have some junk shows throughout the winter, but now today it's not even the world cup. The world cup starts next weekend in Finland, in Ruka couple races there or a few races there, I should say. Um, so this one's going to be kind of short and a little disorganized, but it is in, it is interesting for the ski fans. You know, you got a ton of snow in Alaska now. So, I mean, ski season is on. I mean, I don't know how many K's Keegan Randall has smashed already, but I think a lot, I mean, based on her social media presence, she's just pile driving the K's into those, <laughs> into those legs. And I guess what else can you do? I mean, I've looked a bit at the Alaska media and been some pretty amazing accidents on, on your local roads there, uh, Nat, like people just, yeah. The first snowfall every year, no matter where you are in the Northern hemisphere, just nukes people. I I was talking about it with a a friend last night. It's been a weird, it's been a weird few weeks for me. I was like, I was on the East coast. I came back. I like went straight back into work last night. uh, I was at a gala, which is like definitely a first time experience for me. Uh, But uh, I was talking to a friend there and and he's a, a fellow reporter and we were just discussing like the level of snow related mayhem in Anchorage. And, you know, we were kind of like the conclusion was New York has the subway and Anchorage has roads in winter. And like it, you know, for the past like two weeks, we had we had like two kind of three enormous snowstorms in in really fast succession. Very similar. Like last year, we also had a similar thing. It was like seven snow days in a row this year it was like five snow days in a row over over a weekend and like the city just like i mean we have enormous problems here right like villages falling into the ocean homeless people literally by the dozens dying in the street of exposure um and people are like whatever but like if you don't plow the fucking road like God save you, whoever, you know, the mayor is, because you are going to bring the wrath of holy hell uh, down upon yourself, which I think is also like kind of funny because it's like in this case and last year, it was like we got an enormous amount of snow. Like it's not I don't know. I mean, I I definitely think I'm sure they could do better, but it's also just like, you know, you get three feet of snow over like five days. and like, what are you going to do? Like, just stay at home, uh, eat waffles, go skiing, watch TV do your thing like don't think you're gonna get to work you can i mean okay people need to get to work but you know people who work remote who are like privileged and white and the ones complaining about this on the internet um anyway we've had some great skiing it's literally like it's like minus five fahrenheit so what is that like minus 15 20 uh here this morning i was like thinking about going backcountry skiing this morning and i like looked at the weather station it was like you know, five degrees and 35 mile an hour gusts. And I was like, nope, no thanks. So, but yeah, winter's, winter's here. Uh, we had, I was, I've been skiing. I think I've probably skied like 10 of the last 11 days. It's, it's pretty good. It was pretty uh, punchy for a while just cause it was like an enormous amount of snow on flat ground, but now it's getting good. And yesterday I was at Kincaid park, saw, um, saw the Alaska Pacific university team and the Alaska winter stars in the middle of, 
um, a kind of under the radar time trial. Um, and one thing that I noticed, I don't know if I mentioned this to you, um, Hunter Wonders out of retirement, uh, back, back on the, uh, competition circuit this winter. So I saw coach Eric Flory yesterday. He said, Hunter is unretired after a kind of disappointing and sad retirement announcement last spring by the American ski community uh, for the American ski community. So Hunter had, I think a top 15 or definitely a top 20 result at the tour to ski last year, like younger guy, maybe 25, six, seven with a ton of potential. And um, so yeah, lots, lots going on. Way more to discuss than that. I've droned on for a yeah. while. So maybe time to. Oh, but that is good news. I am psyched to hear Hunter's back. And I think I went on a little monologue about how sad I thought it was when I heard that he stopped uh, selfishly. Because I think, and I think we've discussed this. And, then, you know, I was discussing this with Marty Hall and some of the people at this, uh, speaking of galas, this Canadian Ski Hall of Fame gala thing. And this has been one of the, big conundrums of the last 30 plus years on the American side of things as good as the results have gotten has amazing the team cohesiveness has been on the women's side they just keep stumbling on the men's side about building a cohesive team and this is it baby like this is the first time in 30 years really not not this year specifically they've been building the last couple of years with these young seniors but seeing them on the world cup chatting with them and then just just observing their vibe and stuff like they need these young guys to stay in it, to build this cohesive team atmosphere, to push each other, to rib on each other and like, you know, give each other some shit and like help each other get better. And it's the first time in 30, well, I mean, I'm okay. 30 years ago, that's only hearsay from what Justin Wadsworth has talked about or, or some of the old guys like going way back. We're talking like Dave Chamberlain or Chad Gee's era. Um, but back, back in the days you know, there was just the U S ski team did not have a cohesiveness on the men's side and all through the Andy Newell torn coos, like they had, they had solid results every once in a while, but the team dynamic was a train wreck on the men's side and Hoffy and, uh, Freeman and that sort of stuff. It just never was able to stick together. So like when I started seeing these young guys stopping, I'm like, Oh my God, like you could be a leader on this team and they need you. I mean, they have been, of course, Ben Ogden leading the charge on the results, but like Hunter was right there. And there's a lot of really good young athletes that have been together at world juniors, back-to-back world junior relay gold medals. I mean, like, come on, this is, this is a phenomenal team. So super psyched, super psyched here and back on, uh, back on track and that should help guys like Gus and some of the other young guns uh, in Alaska and, and in the U S at large. So interesting to, interesting to see um, that, you know, almost no, the, the U S team basically not coming over to Europe until late, like no tune up races for anyone except uh, Sophia Lalkley, who's living, living in Norway and, and not really training with the U S team. It looks like those guys are all in Finland, just crushing some, time on snow and uh we'll see them all next weekend in the uh in the season opener in finland i guess yeah i think that's a good way to start i think i think it is really interesting actually and i think you know in our dog and pony show that we have going here i think we probably discussed this in the past but being too old well i'm a middle-aged man i'm you're not quite but you're approaching um you're on the run-up i mean the life expectancy life expectancy of american men has been going down the last few years so you could very well be but we'll leave that aside the fact of the matter is i think we have discussed this in the past but i think it is really interesting that the u.s ski team has chosen to 
take a step back from the tune-up races. You know, I see, I see like pluses and minuses with that, of course. And I think we touched on this a little bit on an earlier podcast. The, the thing that just worries me a little bit um, with US team, and it's very little because they do a lot of things right. And we've been singing their praises and the results speak for themselves. But uh, like we touched on earlier this year, you know, like when you have Rosie going to do a camp with a few people and doing some roller ski races and Jesse doing her thing with a few others in New Zealand and people here and there and all around. I mean, I don't know, man, that's, those are the cracks that, you know, when the temperatures get cold and water gets into those cracks, they start to really separate from each other. And and you could, you know, it's, it takes a long time to build the team dynamic that they have, and it doesn't take long to dismantle it. So I hope, that uh, it can stay cohesive. And, and these, these ideas were as, as athletes age, they're choosing to do a little bit of different tune-ups here and there. And the last few years, it has been that uh, they're focusing on, on um, training over doing tune-up races. At the same time, it's hard to argue when Jesse Diggins is a reigning world champion, <laughs> world champion uh, to say that it, it doesn't work. And I mean, Ben Ogden too, last year, like we said, had a breakout season. So they know what they're doing, but um that's the weird thing with cross-country skiing. And I think listeners, maybe like the, the diehards, they know, but the, the ones that are kind of little new and don't know the nuance, it's a weird sport, Nat. Like, it is so weird. You train all year long, but you're running, you're roller skiing, you're lifting weights. And, you you know, you set up little tests. You know, you have your little time trials that you do, or you have these running intervals or bounding intervals. And you know the distances because you've done them so many times. And then you have these like level three workouts that you know how exactly how many loops of a roller ski path or like how long if you're out on the roads, you should be going at this lactate at this heart rate. But at the end of the day, every athlete at this time of year ahead of the world cup next weekend is sitting there and no one can see us, but like with their hands in the air going like, I have no idea. And that that's what separates Nordic skiing from so many other endurance activities. I mean, with cycling, you have the Watts on your computer. Like it's, it's like, can you pedal the Watts? How, how heavy are you power to weight ratio and your VO two max? This is going to translate running. I mean, come on also swimming. Like you have these splits that if you are running these splits in training or, or swimming these splits, like it gives you an immense amount of confidence as the, as the competitive season gets going, but in skiing, really like Diggins is out there smashing intervals, current smashing interval. Everyone's just doing their thing. And like, you know, Diggins, the little videos you see, she looks great. It looks like her classic technique has been, I mean, they've had amazing conditions up in Northern Scandinavia this year. Uh, that helps a lot, but anyways, everyone looks fit and ready, but we're, we'll find out. We'll soon find out. And next weekend it'll, uh, we'll all have a front row seat. To, well, we won't have a front row seat. We'll be watching on TV, but it'll be, um, it'll be fascinating. It's always fun. It's always fun at the beginning of the year. Cause there's always so much uncertainty. So like you said, the U.S. ski team has decided to not compete in tune-up races. The Canadian, uh, except for Sophia Lockley, who's been training, we had um, Joe Stein on the on the podcast a little earlier. So if people want to know what the team Ocker Dolly, the kind of, I don't, it's hard. It's like a pro, it's like a amalgamation of small national teams and a pro team together. Uh, it's kind of an interesting project. If people are curious about that, they can go back in the catalog. That's a great interview we did with him. And Sophia Lockley has been training with that group. So she has been doing the tune-ups and the Canadians are up in Galavari. And so uh, traditionally the Swedish openers were Brooks Valarna. And then a couple of years ago, Galavari wanted to get involved, which I understand because the venue is great up there. And so now it's changed. So like every second year, it's either the season openers are in Brooks Valarna and then the season after they're in Galavari. So last year they were in Brooks Valarna. Now they're in Galavari. 
the whole Swedish national team was up there competing and the Canadian team was there, but like the Americans, we have uh, the Quebec contingent of our Canadian national team, Leo, Olivier and Tony, they were in Davos and they've been doing their prep in Davos and, and they've been, they've been there for the better part of two weeks uh, training and doing some small time trials and that sort of stuff. So they're also kind of been picking a, um, a development path to the world cup, a little in the same vein as the U S ski team. So splitting our national team and yeah, that's uh but it's, it's always fun. I don't know how you feel. I mean, I love like Munio starts so early. So just for the listeners, the so last weekend was the first, not this weekend. We'll cover this weekend really quickly, but we're not going to do it as systematically as we do it. Cause these aren't the world cups. We're not going to like analyze the hell out of it, but just some hot takes and what, what we noticed and have a little discussion you and I now, but like, so the first international races of the season are in Munio and it's been kind of cool. The last couple of years that the Norwegians have been going over there. The men's team have been going over there, um, which is kind of fun because they hadn't done that in the past. Usually there's like 8,000 Russians that are in Munio trying to make the, the World Cup. And then, of course, with the Russians, again, not being allowed to compete for another season here, they were they were absent. So it's the the Finns, but the Norwegian men's team was there. A couple of the top guys. I mean, if anyone was following by the stolen is wondering, like, where's Didrik or where's Shudofta, where's Klebo? They all, they all got COVID and are at home because of a COVID-19 infection. Same with the last year's overall World Cup winner. Tyrell and Zvang was also at home with COVID-19. Uh, and Ashurshti Kalvo missed the season openers here and uh, invited stolen. And that's not COVID apparently, but uh, she has a head cold. We kept her out of, con- uh, out of contention. We can kind of maybe circle the horses back towards like sickness at the beginning of the year. But just so people that have been kind of following loosely, like wanted to know why the big guns weren't weren't around or some of the big guns like a Didrik or Shud or Klebo or Tiril. Um, COVID exists and it's smacking people pretty hard again, which is, oh God, like what a, <laughs> wow, we'll just, We'll just put a safety pin in that and move on. But um, oh, get 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 your boost get your boosters, people. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like just like get three. I mean, with seven, whatever. I mean, I don't know what we're all. <laughs> that's that's that's, uh, that's medical advice from Doctor Kershaw, exactly. right there. Yeah, exactly. COVID boosters. Yeah, let's get some. Yeah, exactly. Let's get some. Uh, well, get a can I? Can, uh, the big takeaway for me on the men's side was Ivo Niskin. He demoed the field in the 10 K classic. And for people at home that are kind of like, ah, whatever, it's just a tune up. That may be true, but Paul Goldberg is not a bum. And a lot of these guys aren't bums. Valness isn't a bum. You saw him this weekend in, in, um, by the stolen with two victories in the classic sprint. And then in the 10 K classic against yeah the entire national team, aside from the guys that are sick and, and Ivo Niskin had made a mockery out of it. And I, I saw some of the clips and just seeing how he was skiing. And, you know, there's just something so special about Ivo Niskanen when he's, firing in all cylinders, which he usually is in classic, but he likes to pick and choose his races. Doesn't race a whole, all that much. And then last year, I don't know, there was like some races that he just wasn't as on. And, and when I say on, I mean, in classic, he's got such a high position and he's kicking so insanely hard with the right angles, with his weight directly under him with like level shoulders and all the energy is going in all the right places. And in Munoz, the clips I was seeing or that what I saw from Munio of Ivo Niskin, I was like, Oh my God. Like, I don't, I mean, I know he's won Ruka and stuff before early season, but I think it's hard. I think you're hard pressed to see a better Ivo Niskin in so early in the season. And again, there's some drama there too, which is always kind of fun. And we don't have time to get all into this, but 
those that listen to the podcast you did Nat with Klebo, he's outside of the Norwegian national team and, and kind of doing his own deal. But Ivo Niskanen has also not signed his contract with the Finnish Ski Federation. And this hasn't got the same level of press because the Finnish language is, well, <laughs> we have Google Translate. So you can kind of like try and get a handle on it. But, but um, you know, it just hasn't got the same press that that uh, the Claybo story has. And it probably should have because he was definitely not happy with with the direction of the Finnish national team, according to his quotes in the press and stuff. And uh, there's always question marks with that, right? Like, is this going to work out for you? Is it not going to work out for you? And boom, first classic race of the season, distance classic race. And he just makes a mockery of the Norwegian men's team like that. It was, uh, that was the big takeaway from Munoz for me on the men's side. And then Baldness won the sprint. Uh, he's a beast and the Claybo's not there. There's a reason why he's got all those silver medals. I mean, he, he is the second best sprinter in the world, but always fun to watch those races. Um, my, my takeaway, there were, there were a couple, there were a couple distance races. Um, just wanted to like throw a, a couple laurels at the Germans, uh, both on the men's side and the women's side, the Germans, like, I mean, the women have been strong, like, uh, like Katharina Hennig and Victoria Carl, um, Hennig won, uh, the classic race in in finland but like completely smashed everyone including like kertu niskanen uh and and a few other folks uh and that i mean that isn't necessarily a surprise like she was on world cup podiums last year but then uh you know like a couple of these german guys like friedrich moke uh won the race on uh sunday last sunday i think like beat finn hagen krog and and other folks and you know I, I feel like some of those younger german men have been kind of knocking on the door for years and um you know especially sort of seeing the success of the women's team like it'd be nice to see the Ger- the german men have just kind of been in the the dark ages for you know about 10 years since the retirement of like tobias Anger and axel teichman who were like in the mix for for years and we've talked a lot about sort of how the german team it's like definitely been kind of bummer for them huge market for cross-country skiing so kind of cool to see those guys bringing it bringing it back a little bit um for sure and i mean the women have been so good i mean henning too like uh, i'm glad you were i was gonna try and get back to that too because i mean she looked so good and same thing like when henning is on form uh, it's just a marvel to watch her in classic it's uh uh, it, it's poetry on snow it's really really beautiful and uh but but also powerful it, it's uh so it was it was a quite the smash down and we got to remember like here Niskin, and of course like she's not at her best if she's coming in you know outside of the podium but the, at, at, on the other side of the coin it's like this is a girl that at the olympic games was within a sneeze of of uh taking a gold medal from Teresa Johag in her best event at altitude. So we all know how good Kirtu can be. And uh, for Henning to just wipe the floor with her like that, that was, that was an impressive, impressive event. And Mach, it's good you brought this up because this is like, I mean, this is what old men do. They just repeat the same thing over and over. And everyone just like fast forwards and just like, shut up, Kirsch. But I'll say it again. Like, it's great that you get guys like Mach now that are coming up. They're young, they're exciting and taking a win in Munio like that, like, yeah, okay. The Norwegian men didn't feel the full contingent there on the Sunday. Cause there's by the stolen that happened now. Uh, but that said, there's a lot of other great skiers that, that Mach want, beat. And I mean, God, you can't beat guys that don't show up to, to race against you. And, and taking W's is always uh, good for the confidence and good for the team and good Lord. I hope and pray 
that this can be something that lifts the team up and not just have this one-off guy that every once in a while can like sneak into the top 10 or even up into like the top six, like he's capable of, but we need a team. Like <laughs> you just mentioned, I mean, man, Germany was just a powerhouse with Sommerfeld, Philbrick, Anger, Teichmann, Schluter. Like you had this like a unlimited amount of beastly Germans that dominated the sport for a long time. And, and they have definitely been in the dark ages. So it's going to be fun to watch him. I mean, he's not quite as good in classic. That's an understatement. He's not as good in classic. And uh, so we might have to wait a little bit, a little while longer into period one to see him, see him shine in the world cup, but he showed good form, which was really cool. When the best skiers in the world want to go faster, they turn to Fisher's Speedmax Helium System. The all-new Fisher Speedmax boots feature an enhanced carbon cuff to provide optimal torsional stiffness and increased power transfer to the ski. The refined inner shoe provides compelling fit and performance. Are you ready to find out how much faster this World Cup-ready combo will make you next season? Go to fishersports.com to learn more about the Fisher Speedmax Helium system. Couple, couple other important things. Um, if if you haven't seen Evo Niskanen's uh, like social media, he's got like a like athletic underwear sponsorship and just some absolutely iconic images coming out uh, of his advertising campaign. Like, also, if anyone wants to sponsor Devin and I for like to pose as underwear models like that. Like I'm definitely in Devin, Devin um, maybe is not um, in um, on that, but yeah, yeah I, have just, like, like, I, I have like, yeah, I'll hit body the gym. Issues, what body, body, body image issues to the power of 10. Now. I mean, like for, <laughs> no one wants to see an old saggy ass in underwear, but yeah, Evo Niskanen, if there's one word to describe what I've seen is uh, ripped. Well, the I was I was going to say icon, but yeah, I mean, basically I'm, I, I think, you know, for by American standards, I would do just fine. The only thing I just wanted to quickly throw in there before I think we, you know, can move to, um, by stolen in Norway this past weekend. Um, just, I was thinking about it a little bit, like, you know, the Russians have, you know, normally the Russians will come over and do those races in Finland. The, the Russians are racing in Russia. Like we're, I, we're just like, never going to see them again. And it's like, it's, I mean, it's kind of crazy. I mean, I, I think it's completely, I, I was thinking about like, could I actually write a story about this for, for a outlet somewhere? Like I, I it, totally appropriate that they should be pariah nation, like not allowed to express national pride and, and domination through sport. But like, it sucks. It sucks when these guys like, you know, like I like Bolshunov and and all like Nepreva, like uh and Tarentev, all, all these folks that are just, you know, they're they're fun to watch. And I feel like, you know, especially they just like cut this kind of character as a nation in cross-country skiing, you know, like they're the they're the really like one set of folks that like don't speak English like they're kind of standoffish and unfriendly and they like fill this kind of niche of narrative and storytelling in the sport and to not have them around it just like it it does it 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 sucks I mean on the spectrum of like things that are sad results of war I think like missing narratives in a cross-country ski podcast is like pretty far down there after you know casualties of human lives obviously but 
Um, I just wanted to note that, that, you know, it's, and it's just like having their weird inside Russia, like competition circuit that they're doing. Like it is a weird reflection of like the time and place and age that we're in. Absolutely. And I, I, I agree. I mean, of course, like I mentioned earlier, I mean, <laughs> you're used to seeing not just like the national team in Munio, like, like those early seasons. I used to go to Sariselka. Those would, those would be even the week before Munio back in the days. So it'd be like first week in November, like November 5th kind of thing. Like that first weekend in November, there'd be fist races and man, oh man, there'd be like so many Russians there, like so many. There is like I think that is also being lost a little bit in the narrative of what's happening. Like there is an immense amount of motivated Russian cross-country skiers. You know, we know the World Cup guys, like you mentioned, like the Bolshunov, like the who's going to go down as a legend of the sport, even if he doesn't ever gets to compete again, which of course he will, thank God. But um. Uh, you know, the Bolshunovs or the Ustugovs or, or, or the like, but uh, there is the depth in Russia is immense and all that development is being put on hold too, right? Because they're not able to compete against the Finns or the Norwegians or, or in these preseason races. And some of those guys, they have to do that for a number of years before they can graduate onto the World Cup. So the future superstars are being Im- impeded there on their development and it's... Uh, yeah, I agree with you. I but I also, you know, like there was a story in the Norwegian in the Norwegian press some weeks ago because um for those that don't know, Bolshunov's dad and like where Bolshunov grew up is like very close to the Ukrainian border. Very close. And there was some heavy shelling in in that area and uh you know, Bolshunov's dad was not injured, um but even around the property like there was some shelling, like heavy shelling that was ha- taking place in and I think that's also important to mention too. I mean, like these guys just want to race. Of course they do, but you know, it just so happens if you grow up on, on, on the border or whatever, I mean, no one is arguing that it's not Russia that instigated this whole mess, but at this, at the other end of the spectrum, like Bolshunov's dad or Bolshunov himself, like Bolshunov just wants to rip the legs off of Norwegians week in, week out. And Bolshunov's dad, whatever, is, is, you know, does some ski coaching himself and whatever, whatever he's doing in, in, in that area of the world, you know, it's, uh, you don't wish shelling on anyone. And it's, uh, it's really sad. And I agree with you. Like, when are they going to come back? Like, who knows? It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's a mess. It's a, it's a total, total, total mess. And it's going to be another Norwegian dominance of this season on the men's side especially thank god we have women's racing to put a stop to that and and even though this is a bit disjointed a chat already but i i wanted to get and when we get into bitestol i'm like i also think like with this new rules with the fluoros like the fluoro ban yeah um, like not having russia there as well i got a sneaking suspicion that the advantage that the big teams are going to have now that fluoro is banned is just going to be exploited that much more because fluoro is kind of a, a great equalizer when the temperatures get above zero and it's dirty and and now grinds hand structure ski flexes this is going to play a way bigger role than it, it already does play a huge role but now when you take out the the a little bit of an equalizer like fluorocarbons out of the game it's going to have that much more of an impact and when you lose a 
powerhouse like Russia as well, right? Who can kind of play the game, not not as organized on this technical staff as, as Norway, but they do have a huge armada and a deep, deep technical staff as well. And you take that out again, I mean, man, oh man, like Canada, the US, uh, Switzerland, like some of the smaller teams, but also with a rich history, you know, they don't have, they, they don't have 250 pairs of test skis. That's, they just that's, don't. that's, that's lowercase R rich history. Not, uh, not rich as in lots of money to spend. No, on no, no, no. Taxing staffs. Yeah, no, no, exactly. Um, well, I want to, I want to come back to that, the, the fluoro ban, uh, in a, maybe like after we talked through Bytosol, sure. I think there was like some interesting stuff that happened with yeah. that on the Alpine circuit, but I, I wanted to actually, so, so Bytosol is like the traditional, Norwegian season opening races. I wanted to talk quickly just through those results. I I really wanted to know, um, Devin Kershaw, had had you heard the name Ingrid Gulbranson before this weekend? Well, see, because I'm a total Nordork, I had heard her name, but mostly because when Finn Hogan Crow, if I'm being totally honest, and when Finn Hogan Crow joined the team Elon, like the development teams based out of Tromso, Finn uh, when he got thrown off the national team he found a home in that team elon team and when he made that that move i mean she was definitely one to watch she's young you know she's born in 2000 so she's 23 years old and man what a qualifier like she wiped the floor with the field and the floor is she said who had four wins in a row if, just to remind us ski fans at home no one dominated the world cup like she did after the world championships last year and Ingrid just destroyed the field in the qualifier. And I thought five it was really seconds, five seconds. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's Go an ahead. eternity. It's an eternity and it's a short sprint for the women too. You know, the two fifty six. this isn't like they were out there for like a four and a half minute sprint kind of thing. Like this is a, the, the by the stolen sprint course is, is a, a conducive or like a, a, like it's a true sprint and wow. I think everyone was flabbergasted. I mean, Teresa on air was like, oh my God, I never saw this coming. No one saw it coming. And this is what I love about Bidestolen because Bidestolen is kind of like the Norwegian Olympics. You know what I mean? Like if you want a chance, if you want to try and claw your way in to these World Cup starts that are, that's a small needle to thread. And even on the women's side, like we talked a lot before last season, like, oh, the Norwegian women gonna do anything with the Swedes. And I mean, look, even even when there was so much negativity around the Norwegian women's team. They dominated last year as well. So it's, it's hard to break into that. And she did finish second on the day, which I thought was cool beating a veteran like Anna Svensson, who is also training out of Tromso uh, and 10 years older than, than uh, Gulbranson. I think it was a really, really fun. What a fun day. And that's what I love about the stolen. There's always these storylines that come out and there was more. I mean, there's, when we get to the men's, there's, there's some great, great performances, but I, before we move to the men's, like she said, like when you saw her in that final though, and you saw her turn it on, you're like, oh my gosh. Also for people in North America that are kind of like armchair fans and not like deep in the weeds, Google translating everything is she said also refused the national team. And we talked about that on some earlier podcasts that she, she felt like she got totally torched and she did, she got, she got torched on the, on the uh, recruit team or like their development team. And it put her back a number of seasons. Like she said was a total, like, total superstar in the making in 2019 as a junior 
making a lot of waves. You know, she fell in the semifinal at the world championships in Seyfeld, but everyone was expecting her to just from 2020 on just dominate sprinting. And instead after that season, she kind of never, never got back to the the promise that and expectations that everyone had. Whereas the Swedes just went boom, boom, boom every year in the sprints till, till last year when she stad flexed her muscle and, after seeing her get totally lit up in the, in the qualification by a relative, well, not relative, like in, in international skiing, a, a no name. Um, I think a lot of people's eyebrows went up, but then when you saw in the final, then you saw when she started to turn on the jets, you're like, okay. Anyone, well, I texted you, right? Do you remember what I texted you? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It was, uh, it was incredible. So Dude, I, I was like, if I was a women's sprinter, in this sport at like yet early twenties, I would just retire now. Like what's the point, you know? Oh, but then, but then, you know, we, we, we can touch a little bit on, uh, we, well, we'll touch a tiny little bit on Galavari and stuff too. It's not like Sundling and Ribom and, uh, Dahlquist are sitting on their laurels and stuff. They look pretty damn good and strong, but she's that when she turns it on like that, it's, it is a sight to behold. And then some people might've been curious, like what happened to Lotta in this Vang because she should have been on the podium, blah, blah, blah. But I don't know if you were follow- people following or not, but she, she got disqualified for skating. Y'all can't do that. She took a few too many power pushes out of that last corner and, and got, I uh, got nipped for that. So, uh, was disqualified in the sprint, but moving on to the men's sprint. I mean, like we talked about this already, but, uh, with Valness, but I mean, Valness has had just like a fantastic start to the season here. And it's actually kind of like, I mean, we always like to see the best racers in the world on the start line. That that's a given. But when you take Claybo out of it, it makes for a pretty exciting race. Like, I, I mean, Valness looked great in the qualification. He looked great in all the rounds. But like on Scott Evanson, it was to the yeah, it was shorter than a sneeze. It was a lunge to the line, and he was under 0.1 seconds behind. So it's Dude. it's uh, this is a this is a star in waiting too. You know, world junior champ, under 23 world champion. Um, and these guys are on the development team. It's crazy. I, I cannot believe you are leading this men's sprint by talking about like Eric Valness and Ansgar Evanson when like we have our our bro from China, Wang Chang, who was like I know. you know under house arrest for last season after being on the podium uh the year before on the World Cup, uh finally gets released to team Akradali, I believe, and just Immediately, everyone's like, oh, he's like getting too old. Yeah, he qualifies second by four hundredths of a second behind Yul yeah. Like, it's just, I, I mean, the amount of respect that is due to this guy who, seriously, like, he has no one to race with. He has no one to train with. Like, hasn't raced in a international field in two, like, basically two years because he didn't get, well, you know, a year and a half and just immediately throws down a world-class qualification at least a qualification yeah yeah, of course i mean you know the guys like raced in like 10 sprint heats in his career like what do you expect but this is what this is what really bothers me and or like not of course it it does bother me but it makes me really sad and like kind of this is where i kind of link it back to what's happening with the russians too right like at least the russians are competing against each other and they are the like on the men and the women's side like they you know as long as everyone's training hard like you know the level if you win those races like you are at absolutely a top five or like you're on the podium most likely um but uh ching wang like does not have that benefit what? so like, Wang chang Wang chang exactly <laughs> um, um 
Yeah, but, but I, I think, just like I, I think uh, sorry, I just have the results pulled up, so I was reading it like a normal like North American or like European way. But you're right, it's Wang Chung, and uh, to throw down a qualification like that after, like you know, you you wrote an article about it, and we talked about it a lot off air. But it's not just about like showing up and doing it and being nervous and not having that experience. It's like the motivation for day in day out when you never know if you're ever going to be able to do what you love to do again and you kind of would, I would imagine you just want to feel like, I don't want to train anymore. Like, what's the point? What's the point of going out there for four hours a day and doing these tough sessions? And like, why? And really, when you're stuck in China with no help, when you had great help from some of very talented coaches in the sport of cross country skiing, and they all get fired. And then you're really like in the wild west of cross country skiing, like, there's firewalls, dude. You can't just like go on social media like you do here and try and find clips and, and do your own uh, do your own studies. I mean, it's hard. It's hard even for for Chinese athletes to get access to to see to see these races and, and emulate them and then having no one to help you do it. It's it's a success story like none other. He got he, he, he but again, like like what happened in Beijing. And this is what's so freaking frustrating is like same thing in Beijing. Same thing happens here. You're like, dude he just needs more reps, man. The guy I mean, just needs more reps. He, he's going to be fine. This was the first. No, no, no I know in years, but I'm just saying, yeah. but you see, you see the inexperience of, of just yeah. racing in traffic and like, he's so much better. And he just needs to take that confidence that he has into these early rounds. Like he, he's, he's not a guy that's qualifying 15th or, or 20th and has to like fight tooth and nail. Like he should get through the quarterfinals with ease, but it's on full display that he has been limited in his development by not being allowed to race and train at the highest level. But you're right. When you're qualifying second after the hiatus, like it's going to be awesome. We're going to see him in some finals this year. I'm psyched. This is good. It's great for the sport, but he's also kind of a showman, which I think is really fun too. He's psyched. He gets like, he gets really psyched. And like you said, you know, he's 30 years old. So, I mean, how many more years are we going to see him in sprinting really? I mean, he's on borrowed time. That That's the reality. Cause there's a lot of uh, talented young, young athletes that are coming up through the ranks like Evanson uh, being a prime example. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, on the, uh, we talked through the, the sprint on the men's and the women's side, I yeah. mean, getting, getting into the, the distance racing, I, I want to go straight to, uh, so we saw, we saw Eric Valnes, uh win this distance race on, on Saturday. And I, I, we had a little exchange where we, we saw Emil Everson who just had this like total, dumpster fire of a year last year uh on the podium here and and Devin you texted me and you were like Everson's back baby and I was like dude I don't know like this wasn't a race that Clybo won and the whole distance team was there like Eric Valnes won a distance race like Valnes being a sprinter and then and then you see I think uh it was today like Everson was like down in like 17th so I'm I'm not convinced that this guy is like you know, return to his world championship gold medal winning powers, but definitely, I mean, it'll, I feel like it'll be fun. Like that's a saga that, that is still unfolding. Like is, is Everson going to like be going to be able to bring it back? And, you know, I feel like kind of mixed, mixed results here. Andrew Musgrave also uh, on the podium in, in that distance race. Yeah. In classic. And, and that's what we were talking yeah, a little guys. bit off there. Yeah. That's what we're talking a little bit off air. I mean, he had some great classic races last year, but Mazzy, we love you, buddy, but you're not really known to be a classic super champ of the world the last, you know, 12 to 15 years of 
international ski racing that you're known to be a better skater. This is a great competition for Musgrave, but I, but it's true. But the, I guess the reason why my excitement with, with Everson was, is I, I think it's hard for us to really truly comprehend, even though I was a professional skier for like 15 years or more. And, and he likes to say, like, I don't have pressure. They, this, these races, he had to deliver a race. And the race he had to deliver in is classic. Like, Emily Everson is better in classic distance races than skate. He had one chance to show his to show his medal. And, yeah, he got un, he got undressed by a sprinter. Like, well, Valness isn't just a sprinter. I mean, come on. You're not top 10 in distance races, top 5 in distance races, and, and being labeled as a sprinter. But that said, you were right in our, in our off-air exchanges going, like, he did crush him by 18 seconds in a 10 K. It's not like it was close and it wasn't, but Emily Everson, you, you said last year's dumpster fire. I would argue that the last two seasons have been like complete disasters for the, for the level of talent and expectation that Emil has on himself and the team has on him. So to see him be able to fight for the top and, and to beat the, uh, to beat guys like Nienga and, and uh, Amundsen. And it's, it's like, I mean, this is, these are, these are great. Sorry, I'm getting text like, yeah, I'm getting text bombed like crazy, but that's what the people expect. Heat bake production. Maybe the edit, maybe the producer can edit that out. Probably not. Um, but yeah, no, so it's uh it's true. We're gonna it's gonna be a following story. But I I thought like to beat Niang, I mean like Niang won home and colon, dude. He's a great classic skier, but again, Niang is fourth. Maybe, maybe he's just like not on his form either. So like no, we shouldn't read too much, but it's gonna it's always, always, always interesting. Interesting. And this is the best part of being a Monday morning quarterback, but sadly we're doing it on Sunday. So we don't have all the information, but what do you do? Right? Like, like let's go right to the skate race because what does Norway do now? Because you have, as of yesterday, it's like, Oh yeah, maybe they'll give Everson a chance in, in Ruka. Did, did you... sorry, sorry. I muted myself. I muted myself. Sorry. Um, like, so we, like you're kind of like, oh yeah, for sure. Everson's just going to slot right into the World Cup. Then you forget, man. No, you don't forget. Like you know, and I know, but people that are just kind of armchair, uh, armchair fans, they 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 don't know. There's six starts, dude. Plus the plus the Scan Cup leader, which is Stenshagen. And who do you pick? Like, let's go to the skate race. Ever, buddy. Tildem Anderson crushes, beating like three times, like. Kruger had three gold medals last year at the world championship. The fact that this guy wasn't named to the national team was a huge deal. When it happened in the spring, everyone put their hands in the air, all the media going like, what are you doing? He won a world cup last year for those following at home. Didn't get to go to the world championships. Like this is insane. What, what else does this guy need to do? This is ridiculous. And uh, first race of the season and wipes the floor with the field. Well, not with the field, but wipes the floor with the big boys of the national team. And I, I, that's exciting to see. I, I think, yeah. and I thought it was really cool. Like Jan Thomas Jensen too, who has also been outspoken in the past about feeling like he didn't get as many chances as he probably deserved. Like he, he rounds up the podium and pushes Kruger, who is, who's the best skater in the world. Let's, let's just call it what it is. And, and uh, it was close. It was a close race, but Kruger ends up off the podium and now it's a mess. Like like always, Nossum has a total mess on his hands of who he's going to bring to Ruka. So I, I don't know, man. Like it's uh, and we we got to sing praises to Lapalu too. Like again, but a bit like Brand. God, this is the monologue everyone we get hate mail about. But like Frederick Mach is kind of alone in Germany in these distance races. Thank God. But like we're the rest of them. And on the French team on distance, it's like Lapalu is like really taken over the baton but 
back in the days, you know, you had like Gaillard, you had Emmanuel Jonier, you had Vitos, you had Magnifica, you had like a lot of French distance racers. And now it's like Lapalou and no one, you know what I mean? You know, I don't know that that's, I feel like last year there were like a couple guys that, that, that got, yeah, in distance. Yeah, sometimes like, but still, I don't know, well, man. The guy is that the guy who is like, you know, top three on in the tour de ski final climb, like, uh, isn't that Lapalou? No, no, there was like, uh, this I, I can't, why am I, I don't have it offhand, but it's the yeah, we can edit that out or whatever, get hate mail for it. That's cool. No, no, um, yeah, they they had, I feel like they they had an, another couple guys. I'm pulling it up. Uh, Val de Fiamme was like, uh, I'm pulling it up too. We got to see this. Um. Yeah. Well, maybe I, maybe I'm, uh, maybe I'm imagining this stuff. But no, Lapierre, of course, God yeah, kills Lapierre. Lapierre. I'm sorry, Lapierre yeah. is also a good, young, exciting racer for sure. No, that's true. But that's two dudes still. You know what? Okay, that's double what twice, I said. Twice as many. Yeah, exactly. Twice as many, but it's still <laughs> twice too. It's still twice too little. France has a rich history in the distance side of things. They've really lifted up their socks on the sprinting side in the last, man, they've been a great force in the sprinting side on the men's, but uh, on the men's distance side, but you're right. You have Lapierre and you have uh, Lapalou. Um, like, Paris also has, yeah. has been oh, top. Paris, Paris when he's in shape, it's true. It's true. But they, we just need these guys firing on all cylinders always like they have been in the past. That's the thing. But yeah, uh, I mean, you saw, you saw on the women's side, Delphine Claudel last yeah, year on right. the podium, and she was she was on the podium yeah. in these races in in Bidestol. And so, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's it's funny. Like you look at those results, and it's like Bido is like Norwegian national championships basically, and you've got like thirteen Norwegians in the top fifteen in these races because it, it is just all Norwegians. But then you know we're seeing a couple names in there. Um, I and and uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's funny because on the one hand, like yes this there is this it's great drama to watch unfold in norway people people i get emails probably like once a month from people being like uh what what news sources do you read to keep up on uh on cross-country skiing internationally so like just quickly for folks like you know i nrksport.no all the stuff you can run through google translate um, so NRK, uh, VG.no, uh, which is like one of the tabloid newspapers, um, there, you know, there are a few different Norwegian options, um, Expressen from Sweden does like really good coverage. Um, and then, you know, there's, there are a couple, like, if you really want to get into it, like finish, well, you can, you can kind of branch out, but those would be like the three, but in any case, I mean, we're going to watch heavy drama unfold over the next week when with these Norwegian team selections which on the one hand feel it's like it's like uh Norwegian men's national team start spots on the World Cup is to Norway as snow plowing is to Anchorage like that is the level of drama that goes into it and I think it's like on the everyone's on the, pissed no matter what happens exactly because everyone's pissed no matter what but, but but the flip side is like you know what does this actually from a global standpoint like whoever they pick like these guys are all heavy hitters they're all going to be in the top 10 and it's sort of like you know do you do you pick michael jordan over uh magic johnson or will chamberlain like you know ultimately these decisions are actually maybe not the most consequential but it's still but it's still really fun to you know watch the drama unfold so that that's my contribution 
here. No, that no, that I and I agree. I I I am thrilled, and that's why we spend time because I know we'll probably get some emails like, "What are we talking about? Like, the, why are you guys even on the like boring me talking about like pre World Cup races?" The reason why these races are fun to follow, and the reason why we're we're catching up is because uh, we like skiing and it's the ski season, so deal with it. And the other thing is is like these are kind of the races with the most fun storylines in, in a lot of ways because like we didn't spend a lot of time talking about the women's distance races and we, we don't need to do that much but like Heidi Vang like she's also struggled a lot with concussions she struggled she had like she had other issues she's had a lot of health issues in the last little bit here and comes back swinging wins a race and second in a tight race and Astrid Schlin, who is like the darling of last season like I still I still almost like have to like is this real life I mean She's 35 last year. She was 34 and came out of nowhere. Like really not, not she's the best distance skier in the world, like best long distance skier in the world, but it's not very often you have a 34 year old that has been like struggling to be top 10 in scan cups on the women's side, which isn't that strong. All of a sudden meddling individually at the world championships in distance races. And now also chooses not to go with the national team, which it makes sense for her at her, at her age and her development. And also she wants to keep her options open for the long distance circuit. Of course, she's the best long distance skier probably the world's ever seen on the women's side. Well, that's a bold statement, but, but she's definitely the best right now. And, and yet boom, bite a stolen when it matters. You're not on the national team. You don't have any protected starts whatsoever. You have to earn those world cup starts and right back into it with the first and second. She won the skate race today. I'm, I'm wildly impressed. And Claudel too, how fun was that? Like a couple great races by her. And and Sophia Lockley too in the skate, as we would expect, is uh is, is super solid. I, I think it's gonna we'll have to chat with Sophia Lockley on this podcast one. Uh, is, is it, I find it fascinating. Like I wonder what it feels like for her coming from these trail running races where she is idolized and winning the golden trail series and making tons of money and tons of media exposure and a lot of accolades and then you come to cross-country skiing and it's like you're not pack fill but you're not elite either like uh, this is by this isn't the world cup like you, you're elite but you're not you're not fighting for the podium like Heidi Wang is crushing you and Heidi Wang may not be on the world cup podium like I wouldn't be surprised if she's not on the podium next weekend do you know what I mean yeah and um, it's really really interesting with cross-country skiing like cross-country skiing is just a it's it's an awesome sport but it's tough man like for all the shit we talk about like the level and this sort of things like man the the women on the top and men like they are the fittest athletes on earth and it's hard to break into that i mean i i i agree like super fascinating so so luckily just just to give a little bit more context i mean she was doing these like trail running marathons um with like crazy solomon sponsorship like won this like mont blanc marathon um and and now is ski racing from norway with this acker dolly team for the u.s and i mean the only thing i would say to that is like there is there are no olympic medals awarded in like long distance mountain trail running you know so there is and and i think like there is something there's an allure to cross-country skiing also just like sort of being a tougher nut to crack for americans you know so i like i think it's i think it's cool like 
One thing that I definitely will be curious to see is, you know, what kind of fitness can Lockley like maintain through the season after she's been racing all summer. And, you know, is is she eventually going to sort of have to make a choice if she wants to really excel at one of these at, you know, whatever her full potential is, but also at the same time, I mean, she is uh, like 20, 23, 22 at this point, And it's like, if you're having that kind of success and you can still make a career out of skiing, like be on the Acredali team, live in Norway. Like I'm, I'm like, hell yeah, really great to. Of course. Oh my God. Yeah. Like cheering super loud. And like the races, it is interesting because you have these, like the golden trail series and like the, the mountain running, like she's kind of competing in the like shorter course. Like she's not doing a UTMB, like 160 kilometer races or Western States, 100 or, or hard rock, like those hundred mile races that, that are run she's doing more of the marathon distance, but like, like you said, traveling all around Europe, back and forth to North America, running races that are between like 25 and a marathon in distance, like running uh, like a, a, a distance race like that on Pike's peak that goes up over 14,000 feet. Like, I mean, do you think that Heidi Wang's doing that and in her preparation to win in, in the cross country ski circuit? Absolutely not. She's not. And, um, so it, it will be it will be interesting to follow along. And but I mean, God, like let let's let's not get carried away. I thought she skied great and by the stolen. It was by no means a uh, fiasco start to the season. I think it's actually oh. looking really, really good. I think yeah, I, yeah. And she looked good too. She had like, you know, she's she's more. Uh, Lockley is also a, an athlete that's more in the vein of like a Teresa type. Well, like not Teresa late in her career, uh, more like Teresa and. 2011 2012 which is like leaning more on her tempo maybe not the most powerful skier in the world and, and using her her lungs and vo2 max to to get the job done and but she looks snappy and, and light on her feet so it's uh it'll be really fun to to cheer for for lockley i guess before we go just like talk really quickly with sweden i well, gotta talk wait, wait, wait. Can, can we can we stick with bido for like one second yeah. because this is something that you know big picture so I, I believe there was a Norwegian man who got DQ'd in Bido because his skis popped hot for Floros. And, and Devin, Devin mentioned this earlier in the podcast. And just to sort of remind folks, like fluorocarbons, it's this ingredient you put in wax to make your skis go fast. It turns out it's also, you know, terrible for the environment. It's terrible for people, like it gives you cancer, all kinds of other dysfunctions. So banned banned like i think legally in europe now also like banned on the world cup circuit by the international ski federation so this one norwegian kid like he gets banned from starting in vita and he's like i don't know what happened like you know i just like put my skis over here and then they told me like there's full floros can't race didn't happen to anyone else and then previously a couple weeks ago on the alpine circuit they also um test a, a Norwegian alpine skier, uh, female skiers, uh, skis. And they're like, these are full of fluoros. Like you're busted. And she's like, she cries on the air and it's like, I don't know what happened. Like clearly, you know, I think we can assume, well, we'll just say like, it didn't really seem like she was trying to like go around the rules here. And I think like, we've heard a lot about this fluoro ban. It's been like years in development to, to be able to test it because like there just wasn't testing technology and, and like the international ski federation, the international biathlon union, like they had to develop this stuff. And it seems like now they're really trying to deploy it for the first time in a serious way this year on the, on the international circuit. And like, man, can you imagine if like 
we've got a race on the world cup or world championships where like Clabo smashes the field. And then they're like, Oh yeah, well your skis were full of fluoros and Clabo's like, fuck you. No, they weren't like, you know, like I just, I can see this. If this does not, if this is not perfectly well dialed in and like no false positives, which like, I don't know at this point, you know, I think there's some issues with like how well it was clean, et cetera. Um, And so I just, I think that's going to be an interesting subplot of this year is like, does, it does is. this come up? But you know, do you know what I'm actually really worried about though? Like that, that uh, it, it, I'm not as worried about the Claybos because I know what those Norwegians did to their wax truck. I know what the Swedes did to their wax truck. They, they, they shot out tens, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of equipment. Because like, if you think of every roto brush, you can't clean the roto brush clean enough to be a hundred percent sure there's not like any fluoro in those roto brushes when you're rolling at like three thousand RPMs like over like powdered skis for like year after year right or roto corks or all this and plus the wax itself like fluoros are so expensive and skis have been waxed with fluoro for like I mean guys still I mean in skating you see we talked about this in all earlier podcasts like it's very often that the the new skate skis are being used like fast adopted i think it has something to do with the flex more than the more than anything else because the, the skis are stiffer so you want to have like a fresh flex but anyways it's uh, i would say like i mean like it's just throwing out t- total shit but let's say like 70 percent or 80 percent of the athletes are using skate skis from this year but on classic skis i mean like even still like they're not using as old classic skis that alex harvey and i would use but but they're using they you know it's not it's not uncommon to use classic skis that are three four years old you know what i mean and and that was before the floral band how many times have they been whacked so there's a there's a lot of questions but i am more worried about canada i'm worried about slovenia i'm worried about the Czech Republic. I'm worried about these smaller nations that like look at their little wax trucks that are dwarfs compared to the giants of, of Norway and Sweden. And then all their equipment, I get it. If you're a smaller wax team or smaller team, be like, you know what, let's just try and really clean all our gear and clean our truck and reuse some of this equipment that we just bought last year. And then you could get piped if you it popped, if you like wrote a brush with a brush that just wasn't clean properly. It, it, it opens up for a lot of, a lot of questions. And it seems, I must say, like when they said that they were going to use these scanners, I'm like, yeah, right. Because it has been a nightmare. And this has not been at all transparent of how bad their technology was till this summer. It seemed like the narrative changed and it's like, no, we finally have a test we feel comfortable with. And, 12 months ago, they did not have a test that was anywhere close to comfortable with. And I, of course, is really skeptical and be like, come on, Fist. Like, you do not have a test that's good. But then when I was talking to the Norwegian staff or like some people that are in the know, they're like, you know what, actually, like, it's a lot better than it was like 18 months ago. They're actually, it actually is. But maybe it's just the cynic in me. It's, 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 it's hard to know exactly if it's bomber enough for these smaller teams. And cause here's the thing too, like, didn't you notice like no one that's waxing on the Norwegian team is going to like ever have a problem with this fluoro stuff. But the kid that the poor kid, like on some club team, like, you know, maybe his dad waxed his skis and like, can we expect that all the dads out there are going to spend thousands of dollars to, to re up all their waxing products? Like, I mean, come on. I don't know, but it, it's, it, I agree. It's a narrative that's going to be interesting to follow along. And I just hope that 
the room, not the rumors, but the discussions I've had, the people that are professional say that, well, we were really skeptical with the test and now we're less skeptical. It seems to be, it seems to have like a better sensitivity than, than uh, like a lot better sensitivity than even 18 months ago. And, and, you know, if you're going to race like by the stolen, you catch one guy. I mean, it's got a, people are obviously playing by the rules or the test is just so bad. It's like Theranos and they're making it all up. <laughs> just like, this is like, whatever. They're like, eh. It's like Reiki. It's like Reiki therapy, but for like uh, ski waxing or something. So you just put a drop of your blood in and it tells yeah, you. Yeah, exactly. Say a, spell, say a spell, deliver a briefcase full of cash to fists and you're good to go. Like, <laughs> there you go. No, but it's, uh, it's interesting. No, it, it will be, a, it will be an interesting story. And now so, I feel always bad for Sweden because, like, I feel like we're not going to just hammer through it all. But like, the Swedish women are just how how good are these sprinters? Eh? Like, oh, I mean, I do we know? Because it's not like we really were seeing them mixing it up against an international field. Like they were mixing it up against each other. But they certainly like they look legit. They looked so legit, especially the women in the final. Like the the, the final of the women's sprint was like something to behold technically speaking like it was wow you just muted yourself but maybe that's i know because i've been clicking around on my desktop but i mean it's no surprise <laughs> it's, but it's no surprise that you see like it's the usual suspects right yeah i mean yeah it's, it's a big like i mean yona sunling is has not lost a beat she was insane the ribbons right there Dahlquist after complaining of having a horrendous october with training as she gallivanted across the u.s with kevin uh, uh training at high altitude like obviously she came back in a decent yeah she didn't qualify all that well but man she looked pretty solid in the final and like frida was in fourth but i mean she probably she was lucky loser even to get into the final and and her sprinting can be up and down but i mean these are all just like the big 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 names and i think anytime you have like fenrik in sixth and Hogstrom in fifth and like kind of not in it in the final, you know what I mean? Like at the later stages of that race, that's the bar. I mean, Fenrik won multiple races last year. You know how good Hogstrom is. So she's better in skating. Yeah. But she's also a great classic sprinter. And I think the the level and, and that, that kind of repeated itself. We just like hammer through the, the, the distance races. I mean, uh, Ebba Anderson crushed the classic race by almost 30 seconds, which is the race today was pretty. Well, that was the one that you more, know, Ilar, more yeah. Ilar out of that, like the Falun, like a uh, athlete from the Falun, Falun Borlenga club beating Frida Carlson. And then like, what happened to Ebba? I mean, she's had a bad day and that's fair. It's early in the season. You know, Ebba's crushing big hours and, and has, uh, has her eyes set to the bigger things like the tour de ski and that sort of stuff. But still, that was a surprising win by uh, Moa, and I think it's really exciting. And then they, they're kind of like this success, breed success thing happening in Sweden, even on the distance side of things. It's not just the sprinters that, uh, you know, like like an athlete, 26-year-old Moa Ilar, like she's done some World Cup. She's been around the team, and she's training with some of these people. And and you just get – if you put together some good weeks or you put together some good camps and you're like, I, I'm there. Like I, I can compete with these. And then – the the stars align and and you beat the likes of of Eb Anderson and Frida Carlson like that that is yeah I know Frida was like had some run-ins out on the course I don't know if you noticed that like stepping on poles and stuff but I mean like I feel like she's doing that every single week so I feel like that's that kind on, of that's like, on that's on brand that's on brand that's on brand exactly and I just wanted to give a little shout out to to uh Catherine I think like Catherine Stewart Jones like 
she had a she had like a solid solid uh start to the year you know what i mean like just outside of the top 10 in both distance races like that i think uh i think that's a that's a fine way to start the year especially as a canadian just traveled over there and and catherine like let's just call it what it is too i mean catherine's kind of like in that scenario like a frederick Moch or, or uh or some of the French that we just mentioned, the, the, the Canadian women, we don't have, there's not like, we don't have six Catherine Stewart Joneses. You know what I mean? Like she has people, good friends she trains with and, and people are training hard and they're trying hard, but like Catherine is a step ahead. Like, like she's a, a head, ahead ahead of everyone else in Canada. And when you're doing all the camps and that sort of stuff with like people day in, day out, it's really hard to get that confidence. It's really hard to come into these early season races with that confidence, knowing like I'm ready, I'm good. So I thought it was cool that uh, Catherine put together some solid racing and, and on the men's side, like Graham Ritchie, really solid sprint. And um, you know, Zap is a young guy. He's out there mixing it up. His sprint wasn't so bad. His sprint was actually quite good. And then distance races, uh, yeah, the, the whole Canadian contingent on the, the men's side on the distance racing was like, let's just call it what it is. It's not good enough because the Swedish men aren't good. And if you're out of the top 30 in that, it's just not good enough. But you just got, you just came over here to to Europe and we're a young squad, Canada's young squad. And, and we, we saw last year, I mean, you know, individually, other than Tony, you know, guys were kind of struggling and then they get to the world championships and they're fourth and fifth in the relay. So they know how to turn it on when it counts. And, and this is all part of building experience. And none of these guys are 28 to 32. You know what I mean? Like they're, they're early in their development uh, curve. And I think r- with big rich in the sprint showing some, showing some metal to, to mix it up with, uh, with those guys. And we know how good the sprinters are, but I, Mirbach, I just, I just got to keep coming back to Mirbach. And now he's not 16 this year, my bad, but he's 17. And I mean, the guy, <laughs> this is going to be just a fun story to follow. We talked about this too much last year, so we'll, we won't bore everyone. But, but I mean, we'll get. I mean, you got to you got to give a little. You know, this is a, a yeah. Swedish guy who was 16 years old last year was competing in these like hundred kilometer ski marathons and like yeah. actually competitive. And it just is like, what the heck is going on? Yeah. And, and in these Swedish and in these Swedish national races, like being on the podium or top five kind of thing. Uh, and you know, Poroma is a beast and Berman is uh, awesome when he's not injured, which is like, I guess you almost have to go back like five years, but still, you, you know, the level is good. They don't, there's no depth in Sweden anymore. I mean, look to the world cup. We lamented that over and over and over, but you have like Edwin Ongo too, who had like, uh, came away over the weekend with a win and you have some of these young guys. So I hope, I hope that they can like, uh, really, yeah, I hope they can start rebuilding the the legacy that that is Swedish cross country skiing for the men because, yeah, like they they're gonna have to just take they're gonna have to take the bull by the horns here and and shake off this disaster that has been the last five years of men's distance racing from Sweden and be like, no, we we are the best. Like when we're when we're good, like we're winning championship relays and they're so far from that now. So I think it's really cool with these young guys like Angir and uh, like Mirbach and stuff. It's um, and, I mean, and Porma, we know how much I'm a fan. So uh, I thought Galavari was pretty cool and they saw the Northern lights, those turkeys. It's so nice up there. Like when I, I feel like I've been to Galavari so many times and up in Northern Scandinavia or Northern, Northern Europe, like Finland's not Scandinavia, but Northern Finland, it's just like fog to the ground. You don't see the sun it's so depressing. And like, I have to admit, like seeing the pictures and watching the races and like the sun is kind of shining for like that hour a day. And then all the pictures of the Northern lights, I'm like, 
I could go for some of that right now. I could go for like skiing and napping and seeing the Northern lights and yeah, it look, look pretty nice up there. So I'm excited for next weekend. Yeah, we got, I mean, it's, it's, we've, we've spent an hour and 15 minutes talking about the like preseason tune-up races. So glad, we're psyched, glad we, can get some, we're psyched, you know, we can get some stuff off our chest. I feel like there's, yeah, so much to, to be excited for this coming weekend. And uh, if you have feedback for us, uh, if you want us to like be more concise, uh, good luck with that. But other feedback. <laughs> questions uh if you want uh, if you have requests for guest stars or uh subject matter or questions i you know people i gotta like i've heard from a couple people you know they want you to talk about technique a little bit more so we'll you know we'll think about it's never too late to innovate this is like i don't know are you on like season four or five of of the devin kershaw show so you know we got to think about what what maybe needs to happen to um to make sure we're expanding our audience from 15 to 16, but you know, we're just, we're getting warmed up here. Think of the percentage, think of the percentage gains. Exactly. 16. So like, that's pretty decent. I mean, like if you're a fortune 500 company, you're posting those kind of percentage gains. Like it's not so bad. Um, No, but I, I, I agree. So please, we love the feedback, positive and negative. Um, Totally. And then uh, we didn't really get into this. Maybe we can just put a, put a bookmark in and, and come back to it next, next weekend. But I, I again, like sad news with Norway, with like Ingveld Lukstadosberg that uh, we spent a lot of time talking about her, her uh, like the Norwegian um, uh, health certificate to be able to race with a DEXA scanning and then body composition and fat percentage and muscle percentage and bone density. And, and uh, Ingveld has been struggling the last few years, really, really struggling with, yeah, like uh, under eating and training too much. Let's call it what it is. And um, flew too close to the sun again this year after all the struggles in the last couple of years and my heart really breaks. Uh, that must be so, so challenging. And I, I, I just want to shout out to like, you know, Diggins has been so open about this, uh, this summer, which I think is, which I think is good that we can do that and Kala, but like Kala wrote like Charlotte Kala, like one of the greatest skiers, female skiers of all time, Olympic champion, world champion, the best female Swedish, uh, racer of all time. She recently retired. She just came out with the book and, uh, even Kala like highlighted that this was a challenge in her career. And that's something I never would have guessed. And like when I've talked with Charlotte in our career, our careers overlap, like it's never something that came up and at all, or even from the girls, like, you know, the Norwegian team and, and uh, the Swedish team are really close. So like Kristin or, or those teammates. And then, so you see, this is a, this is a, something that is, I think the only way to make it better is, is be able to talk openly about it. But my heart really breaks when you, of course, when you put so much work into it and train so hard, but it's a demon, you can't wrestle all the time. And God, that would suck. So I was going to say definitely best way to, to um, deal with it in a public forum is for, for these, these two men to go on at length about it on our podcast. But actually, I mean, I think there are some, there's some great, always the best. No, it's, it's, there's some some really good work being done and some good resources out there. I I know like Rachel Bachman Perkins, who uh, has been, has get you know hosted this show and Holly Brooks who um yes. former uh, US Olympian like both are like working on a project with that and you know I mean I think it actually could be 
a cool thing to bring one of them on to like talk about this from a really informed perspective like 100%. specific to the context of like the world cup and what we're seeing from some of these athletes and um just because i know i, I mean i totally agree it seems like i mean i it's not it's not unique to skiing you know like it's not oh. like body image and eating disorders are are limited to the the elite sport context but certainly like we're you watch it play out in a really public way and certainly from my standpoint like i don't yeah. feel equipped to have like a no. healthy informed conversation in depth no. about it and so but i think it could be really cool and interesting to like hear you know some additional perspectives on it so maybe something uh, absolutely and then and, and just to like jump in like with the body image I, that that's the thing about this that's like challenging from my uninformed position as well it's like it's not a body image issue it's like it, it's a performance thing do you know and this is the battle you know it's the same climbing has this problem you have a lot of running has this problem cycling has this problem like this like power to weight balance is incredibly incredibly hard to thread that needle and these are motivated athletes like we're super super motivated and we all just want to do the best we can and uh i don't know i just find it really really i find it sad honestly but it's easy to say that as a 40 year old who's on the other side of it there was a dude too that didn't struggle with this sort of thing uh in my career but it is something i thought about i i i'm not gonna lie I just have no self-control, no self-control. So like, but I thought about my course, like coming to championships, Petter Nortug's talked about this a lot, like losing weight before championships and that sort of thing. And other athletes have struggled. Like it's, it's, it is, it is, it is not just the female gender thing. It's, it's something uh, in both genders. And I think um, to speak openly about it, and like you said, Nat, like get some people that have really like made it their life's work would be would be pretty interesting to get them on a podcast at a later date and, and have them educate us at a, at a higher level, especially when it pertains to like high level sport. Cause like, yeah, in, in school right now, like it is, of course, it's something that we are learning about like uh, eating disorders and stuff is something you're learning about, but in a clinical setting, not, not like Olympic champions or world champions that are chasing like the margins of performance. That is not something you learn at uh, the run of the mill uh, medical school. So that's, uh, I absolutely am with you. I do not feel informed enough to spout off, but I did want to, I know we get a lot of questions about like when people aren't on the results list and some listeners don't, don't have the full story. So that that's why Ingveld uh, was not invited stolen and, and she will not be in Ruka or in the, uh, I don't know when the next time she'll be able to test, uh, do this um uh health um health checklist or whatever again but uh things don't turn around overnight is what i'm saying so don't be surprised if you don't see her in period one and, and you don't know we don't know how we don't know it's uh to be determined nice nice cheerful stuff to end on here but oh yeah uh, but it's the we, fall yeah. it's the fall you might have snow and stuff like but here in norway in oslo it's like no snow and dark and you know it's we're in the depressing uh time of year so we gotta we can't end too cheerily you know what i mean but yeah, there's I mean, tons of snow in Lillehammer. Lillehammer Shushin, great start to the season there. So, yeah, it's fun. It's great here, too. Um, cool. Well, we can wrap it up, and uh, we'll see you all next week. Thanks for sticking with us. We'll be back.